You are listening to The Depression Session at 99.1 FM, Downtown Radio. Each week, we'll have a new guest tell the story of their depression. I'm your host, Laura Milkins, and thank you for joining us on The Depression Session. Just a note for my listeners, I want to make sure you understand that this is a show about depression, and some of the content can be triggering, so please take care of yourself if something on the show brings up difficult feelings, and seek professional help if you need it. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to the Depression Session on Downtown Radio. Today, we have with us in the studio, Deborah Diffsharoon. Deborah is an artist, writer, welder, and is DJ Work Truck on Downtown Radio. I've invited her back to the studio because she'll be the guest host for the next two episodes of the Depression Session, so we'll give her a warm welcome here. But first, let's talk about transformation. Don't try to overhaul your life overnight. Instead, focus on making one small change at a time. Over time, those small changes will add up to big transformation. Don't give up. And that's an anonymous quote that I found. I've been thinking a lot, and I've thought a lot throughout my life about transformation and the role it's played. And a lot of people who talk about depression talk about these cycles or waves that they go through, that they kind of crest the wave, and then they're at the bottom, and then they crest it again. Or like the depression's like a wave that washes over you, or a cycle that you keep going through in your life. You get to these good places, things are going well for a while, and then you kind of fall back into this place that feels really low. And you can be there and be stuck there for a while. And I think this is true whether you have a really chemical-based brain chemistry depression um, from the most severe to the least severe, or if you have situational depression because something happens. And I've been sort of thinking about like what is what's the difference between like a heavy chemical kind of depression that is a brain chemistry issue and what I feel like I've gone through, which is every time some major event happens in my life, I really don't deal with change very well. It makes me really unhappy. And I end up depressed when there's been a loss or a big change. When I graduated from college, this is supposed to be a big achievement and a wonderful time in your life. And there I was at 21 going, okay, I'm going to move to Boston. And that sounded exciting. And I packed everything up and moved there and then was horribly depressed for the first year. It might be because, you know, I'm out of the circumstances I'm used to and I'm not around my friends and my family are far away. But to me, it just seems like every major change in my life goes hand in hand with a depression, goes hand in hand with like a really, you know, hard adjustment. And yet people who have kind of, you know, like a brain chemistry based depression, whether it be like bipolar and anxiety related or depression all on its own, they also go through these cycles and I don't know if those cycles have to do, it sounds like for some people, it doesn't have to do with anything situational in their life. Nothing happened. They're just cycling through a bad low point. And then for some people, it is something that happens. Something triggers them, something happens, and they find themselves back in that space. And actually, before we started recording today, we we're talking about triggers. My triggers are like change. <laughs> something happens, I am out of control, I don't know what's going on in my life, I can't make it go back to the way it was before, and I stop wanting to participate in life. That's basically my trigger, I guess you'd call. 
but transformation is also necessary. And that's why I started with that quote of like, you make small changes. Something big happens, your life changes. You, what you had before no longer exists and never will again. We don't, we don't get stuck in one place and just stay there. You don't stay in college for the rest of your life. That would be weird. You cycle in and out of different experiences in your life. And for me, that often goes hand in hand with a bout of depression. And I no longer know whether to call it situational or to call it just regular depression, <laughs> that I am someone who's, I hate to say it, you know, I'm doing this show on destigmatizing and I hate to say, hey, I just have plain old regular old depression and it sucks. I would like to think, oh, I'm just in this bad phase and I'll be out of it. And I know I will because I've been out of it before. But I also think that there's something powerful about the, the transformation that happens, that life does kick you in the teeth a little bit, and then you have a chance to transform and have a different life. That we wouldn't want to stay as a 22-year-old goofing around and going to parties and working hard and doing school. You know, we wouldn't want to stay in the place that we were. It's not, it's, it wouldn't be fun if you stayed forever a student or stayed forever a mom of young kids. You know, sometimes that's the happiest moment in someone's life. My mom has talked about that. So you can't just stay in one place and never change. It wouldn't be healthy that we're meant to go through hardship. We're meant to have changes. I don't know that that means we're meant to have depression, but it makes me feel better about it to just say, this is something we all go through. We go through these cycles and there are times when you're down. And even if there's no reason for it, that's okay. It allows you to reconsider some part of your life or it serves Maybe it serves some purpose. I like to feel like there's some kind of meaning in life, that we don't just have crap happen to us because life is crappy. <laughs> you know, I like to think that things happen and it gives you a chance to grow and change and transform and be a different person. And I know this show wouldn't have happened without me being really depressed. And this show has been transformational for me. This show has helped me. And I just hope that it's helped other people and that it, I hope it's helped the people who've come on the show. And I hope certainly that it's helped my listeners. So on that note, I'll just end with another quote. Unless you're prepared to give up something valuable, you'll never be able to truly change at all because you'll forever be in control of the things you can't give up. And that's by Andy Law. Today we have with us in the studio Deborah Disharoon. Deborah is an artist, writer, welder, and is DJ work truck on Downtown Radio. I've invited her back to the studio because she'll be the guest host for the next two episodes of the Depression Session. She is looking for guests, so if you want to be on the show, please email us at lmilkins at gmail.com. Hello, Deborah. Welcome to the Depression Session. Hi, Laura. And uh, what's new with you? What's on your mind these days? Well, I'm actually uh, just processing uh, a lot of what you said um, because I can identify with so much of that. I think that uh, as as far as the show helping others, I'm really sure that it does help other listeners because many people 
who go to a group, whether it's AA or any other kind of group outside of the 12-step program, uh, say that sometimes they go and they don't have a thing to say, but they just listen to what somebody else has to say. And it makes them know that they're not alone, or it makes them realize that, you know, maybe their life isn't so bad, or maybe their situation isn't so bad, you know? Yeah, or there's something they can do about it, that they see that they that person has been in the same situation as them, and they did X, and it was helpful. And I was thinking about, you know, also when you said that you it's not good, it's not healthy or fun to just stay you know, to keep the status quo yeah. in, in your life. Um, I, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of people get nostalgic. You know, throwback Thursday is a big thing, for example. <laughs> you know, yes. people want to throw back to the past. Some people, some people live in the past, you know, and even some of our social media sites, you know, will put it up on your wall right when you log in. You have memories from two years ago. And it becomes all about your memories. Yeah. You know, but the fact is, is time's always going to move you forward because it's linear. There's no going back. You know, there, there's no time machine yet. It's, it's okay to have your memories. You know, it's all fine and good, but it's, it's not healthy to live there because yeah. then you start to be less grateful for your present circumstances. There's, you know, there's something good in every present circumstance. I heard this quote about taking your past and throwing it out into your future, that you're so concerned with what your past was that you've actually set it as a precedence for how you live your life. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really powerful. Just thinking about that made me really consider some things that were in my life that get in my way, but they only get in my way because I've basically thrown my thrown them out into my future and said, this is how my life is. Mm -hmm. instead of thinking, well, what, what do I want my life to be like? Right. Yeah, future goals are definitely a powerful tool, Yeah, I think, because it, it, it doesn't keep you rooted in your past. Yeah. You know, instead, I, you, but you don't want to live in the future either necessarily, right. <laughs> you know, because you can't. You'll be living, you'll be giving your energy to a time that isn't here yet. Yeah. But that being said, it doesn't hurt to make your goals because it does give you something to work toward and look forward to. It gives you something to do in the here and now Yeah. besides worry. And worry leads to depression yeah. for so many people. I know it does for me. Yeah, me um, too. Anxiety and worry and all of that. Well, and as far as setting goals, you know, I, I like to... I like to think about it sort of um, the way I was um, when I trained as an athlete. Um, I was a competitive runner from my high school years. And you get in a comfort zone. We called it our comfort zone whenever we would get to this race pace. And it's like, oh, this feels good. I'm cruising and everything. But you're not pushing yourself anymore. You're comfortable. You're in a comfort zone. You're not pushing. You're not trying to attain the next step. Mm. Um, you know, and when you stay in that comfort zone, it's like, okay, well, you know, you might have set an achievement, you know, like the first time, and runners would understand this, the first time you break a seven-minute mile, 
you know, and you're all happy about that. And it's easy to say, I broke a seven-minute mile. And then for all of your runs here, you know, on end, you could say, well, I'm under seven minutes. <laughs> you know, even if it st stays at six minutes, 59 seconds. But the, the point is, though, is you can't look, you don't get to look forward to setting new records and making new achievements if you stay in that comfort zone. Yeah. So it is about pushing yourself. And if you don't push yourself, then a circumstance in life will push you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. So on that note, Deborah, tell us the story of your depression. I'm a longtime sufferer from depression. Ever I can remember being depressed as a as a child. And through the years, I've been able to track down the reasons for that. The advantage to having depression as someone who's older is that I've had more years behind me to sort everything out and get to the root of the problem and not just say, well, this is uncomfortable. It's right here. It's right now. I don't know why, but I wish it would go away. And, you know, a lot of a lot of younger people experience that. Well, but I feel at the same time, I feel like with the education that we have these days on depression and other types of mental illness is that it's it's more talked about. It's more accepted. It's it's still stigmatized, unfortunately, but that's that's lessening. I I think we actually see that lessening and people accept it as part of the human condition. But, you know, there again, after after years of searching and trial and error, I've managed to get a, a pretty good grasp on my depression. At this particular point in time, I, I don't feel depressed. So this is a lot easier it's not likely that I'm going to tear up in the course of this show. <laughs> but, you know, I feel pretty pretty at ease with everything right now. It's a good point in my life. I'm, I, I do get busy. I, st I still get overwhelmed. And I experience feelings of being stuck. I feel like I have no initiative. And I think that's because, you know, like many people, I look at the whole picture and see everything that I have to do, and it creates a lot of anxiety, and anxiety leads to depression. And I think where I'm at with this now is that in the past, I felt like that my problems were exclusive to me, and that I was, something was wrong with me, and, you know, why am I tired all the time, and why do I not want to go out and play and, and you know why is it that all these kids have so much energy and I just kind of want to sit here on the swing and not even really make it move that much you know to other kids you know a, a, a depressed child seems like they're not much fun and it's really too bad because kids don't understand they they don't have the life experience and the maturity to understand so you really get a stigma and you're you're seen as a weird kid when you're a child experiencing depression because it's not as common with children as it is with adults. And I feel like a lot of depression is circumstantial. Now, I haven't done extensive studies. I'm no, I'm no professional. Children do get depressed, but more often than not, they get, they get sad. 
about something. They get sad over or some kind of event in their life. But children dealing with depression particularly have, you know, a tough road to hoe. I even can recall teachers who didn't like me and I didn't know why. I didn't perform well in school when my depression was at its worst you know, and that happens even with older children. It ha tends to happen more with teenagers, but that was happening with me as a younger child, too. And so, I mean, I, I had teachers that picked on me, and that that's really horrendous, you know, because at, at that time in your life, your teachers are a respected elder, and they're someone who are, is supposed to protect you. And um, I didn't have that protection from some of those teachers. So anyway, you know, it, it's tough to be a child and have depression. I was there. I experienced it. But the good side of this is, is I've had a lot of years to learn from my depression and what makes me tick and what makes me work. And learned that I have learned also that there are triggers that tend to make it worse. You know, it's a it's a good thing, I think, for anyone dealing with depression to keep a journal and to keep keep an eye on how their moods are going. Even keep a keep a, a food journal even and see what kind of foods make you feel a certain way. That that can even uh, contribute to how you feel. Keep an eye on how much sleep you get. I think a lot of us forget sleep in, in our culture. Over time, I've learned that a lack of sleep will certainly create depression. I think that's common to a lot of people, um, the exhaustion. Your brain really just can't function as it should if you're, if you're sleep deprived. So, you learn how to take care of yourself. You learn methods that work for you there and and therapies. You learn which therapies work for you. Um, I started EMDR therapy, and um, for anyone that doesn't know, that stands for eye movement desensitization and pro reprocessing EMDR. It was discovered. Uh, by Dr. Francine Shapiro in 1987. And, you know, so since then, they've done a number of tests. Therapists have compared notes, and they've started tracking down what works for different people, and they find those common denominators. And they, they've learned it was originally developed for people with PTSD, but they've also found that EMDR can help treat personality disorders, eating disorders, uh, performance anxiety. They help you. It helps process sexual and physical abuse. Uh, it deals with addictions, body dysmorphic disorders, phobias. You know, disturbing memories. Let's say you had a trauma early in life, and when you're engaged in the EMDR therapy, the trauma in your life it comes up. For some people, it's almost daily. An unpleasant memory will come up almost daily. And a really uncomfortable feeling. It's a disturbing memory. It's a, it's a sensation that goes through your whole body. And it, and it, just, it just puts a big rift in, in your whole life at that point in time. And that very thing is what triggers 
some people to be very angry and they don't understand why, you know, I know that this is supposed to be the story of my depression, but I really feel like I have this in common with other depressives. I, th I think that it's, even though we have different experiences, the, the basic symptoms are still there. But I found that um, EMDR therapy has been the most effective thing for me, and it's, it, it doesn't deal with taking drugs. It's, it gives you power over your own healing. And just knowing that, you know, is instrumental in pulling you out of depression. Because a lot of depressed people feel powerless. I know that that applies to me as well. Um, and that, I think that's actually the biggest thing that triggers depression in me is a powerless feeling. I have allowed those memories that no matter how uncomfortable they were, to resurface. And so I went into a, 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 a state of acceptance with it and said, okay, so how do I heal now? And you have to be, that's the start of it is, even the 12 steps will say the first thing is that you recognize your problem. And so you accept that it's there. And then you have to be willing to transform. You have to be willing to say, okay, so what do I do to heal now? And then you seek out what works for you in a safe and, and healthful manner. And, you know, that's what I did. And it took me all these years to find EMDR therapy. I think it's really awesome. In the four months that I've been engaged in this therapy, I have noticed a definite improvement. For example, I had a long-standing extreme fear of heights. And now, as part of what I do, you know, I climb 30-foot ladders. And I, once in a while, I, it's still scary. But when I get up there, I use those EMDR tools. They teach you grounding tools to get you through daily life. And I use those tools to get over my fear. So... You know, I would like to wrap it up to say is everyone is individual. What works for you may not work for someone else. And one thing that I would discourage if you're advising someone who has depression, don't uh, f watch your phrasing, you know, don't tell them you should do this. You should, you should, you should. Maybe tell them why don't you try something. If it's something that you believe in, suggest that they try it and not tell them that they should, because then that's gonna feel like a chore, it's gonna feel like a duty, and it's gonna make change more difficult. So with that being said, I'm, I've had a really long road with my depression. It's taken a long time, you know, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It, it is getting better. Deborah, thank you so much for your story. I did, one of the things I was really struck by was the idea of when you're a kid, it doesn't seem that usual to have depression because kids have all this energy. They're like little bundles of energy. But I know when I was a kid, there were definitely times when well, my parents would say I was kind of like a space cadet because I was in my own little world and didn't, you know, want to leave my room. <laughs> and, you know, for you, did you, do you think a lot of that was like chemical, situational, just ups and downs, or was it kind of a general thing? Well, yeah, I think with kids, the, the lines can definitely get blurred. In other words, and is this kid uh, introverted? 
mm. by nature? Do they prefer just to spend time alone or are they just naturally kind of low key? Uh, have they had a traumatic experience that would manifest itself as depression, lowered self-esteem, sometimes even anxiety over being around other people because they don't think they have anything worth presenting to others. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes it's, you know, I've even heard people say that more intelligent kids can even be more withdrawn. So the question is, what is it? And it's really hard to get children to open up especially if it's someone they do not completely feel comfortable with and entirely trust. And even then, maybe they don't have the words to express what's going on, what they know is going on. Yeah. Yeah, I found in my case, I, I just would have a drop in energy. I mean, I would genuinely want to see someone and spend some time with them. And then after, and you know... Time really doesn't mean anything to kids, you know, especially on summer break when you're all playing together. It it really was a situation of just dropping out on energy, just mm. all of a sudden feeling like, well, I'm tired and I'm, I'm out of reserves now. I just want to go back to the house and play alone. Or most of the time I spent time alone in the woods. Mm -hmm. So, And then when I, when I started to become a preteen, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say preteen. I would say probably early teenager, 14 years old, I started journaling, oh. you know, because I, I had to write for release. You know, I really didn't have anybody I trusted to talk to. So, and I didn't make friends very easily either for the reason that I just couldn't keep energy up to hang with people. And I think it was really reserves more than anything yeah. You know, so I don't know, perhaps it was a mixture of, you know, the results from some trauma that I experienced as a five-year-old and even a four-year-old. I experienced traumas and I was also kind of to myself a lot. I just ran out of reserves to deal with people. And I think that that's a character. That's a characteristic. I don't want to say character flaw because there's nothing wrong with being introverted, but uh, it was just part of my character not to be very boisterous and out and going and hanging around people all the time. Never has been. Yeah. And I know, I know like there's, there's a difference between being introverted and I think there's a difference between introverted and depressed. And it sounds like that just loss of energy is related to depression. And I think that we're such complex beings. And I'm always trying to figure out, like, where where is the depression and how are we similar and how are we dissimilar? And everybody seems to experience it differently. And do I really have depression? I mean, these days I'm feeling not very depressed, but I can look back and say, yep, there have been all these times when I got in that stuck place that you talked about. And I think that... We are complex. People all experience depression at some point, but when it gets to the point where you can't get anything, you, you just, it, you're struggling, then finding the help that you need. And I'm glad that you found something that works for you. I mean, you might still get in those spaces, but you can get your way out of it. Right. And even if I do hit those spaces, you know, I allow myself to have it for a little bit, just allow myself the downtime. And 
say, okay, this is what it is right now. And take care of yourself. Take it easy. Um, sometimes I even use a grounding technique, you know, because most of the time when I'm sapped of energy and get all sold up and don't want to get anything done, it's easier just to lay around on the couch and play a game or something instead of getting things done. Then that's when I feel like I need to really take care of myself, uh, do what works, feed yourself well, you know, some kind of good nutritious food and be proud of taking care of yourself, you know, and that, that actually can lift you up too, is just knowing that you're, you love yourself and you're taking care of yourself. Wow. That is a great way to end the show. Thank you, Deborah. Thanks for coming on the depression session. Thank you. I want to mention again that if you found some of the content of today's episode triggering, please seek professional help and call 911 if you feel like hurting yourself or others. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this show and the station are not endorsing any remedies or products. The purpose of this show is to destigmatize depression through storytelling. You can find a link to mental health services on downtownradio.org on the About KTDT page. To listen to the podcast, or if you're interested in being on the show, contact us at www.thedepressionsession.com. You've been listening to The Depression Session on Downtown Radio Tucson with music by Septa Helix. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Depression Session Podcast. Thank you.